Welcome to the See Through Design podcast, where we have an open and honest conversation about design design. Hosted by myself, Casper Samano. And myself, Liam Jackson. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of See Through Design. Hey. So today we're going to do our third installment of our series, Seven Deadly Sins. Cue the screen, please, Kaz. Can you... Uh... I'm not. I'm not doing a live scream. Oh, it's not practiced enough. No, it's because it's. I think doing that recording has actually just <laughs> damaged my um, the all of the glands that are in my neck oh, that make uh, make my high pitched noises. So uh, <laughs> it was worth it, though. Oh, it's definitely so worth thanks. it. Absolutely. Thank you. I feel like I should put an NFT on that screen. Definitely. That's going to make everyone's going to be fighting over the copyright of that scream and. It's going to be a piece of digital art that's going to be in a museum and when I'm long and dead and going to be famous for it. You're going to be like Beeple and and like even more than Beeple. Beeple. I don't know what Beeple is. Beeple is an artist that sold a, I think he sold a lot of, it wasn't just one piece, but he sold digital art for I think $60 million. Well, hang on, is that the guy from NFT. the Christie's auction? Uh, I don't know where it was sold. NFTs, I don't, you know, I don't know that much about them, but yeah, he yeah. sold sixty million dollars. He made, Jeez. and yeah, but I, I was following him before all of that. He's just like really nice digital art. He used to do crazy like animations with like things like Trump and Kim Jong Un and <laughs> Kim Jong Il, whoever it is. But um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I don't think he needs any promotion because he's just got $60 million, but go and check him out anyway. Kind of kind of brings us nicely onto the subject, actually, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like we kind of planned that and rehearsed it, but we didn't. That's completely off the cuff. Yeah. Um, but our subject today, do you want to announce it or shall I? Is... Brrr. That's a really good noise. You should NFT that. I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut it out. Seven deadly sins. Greed. Yeah, greed. Greed, absolutely. Seven Deadly Sins, Greed, number three in our series. And this was one that you wanted to discuss, so I'll let you maybe kickstart. Well, I I wanted to discuss it because obviously it was part of the Seven Deadly Sins and we couldn't really leave it out. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, but... um... But that is a good point. I guess my key point around greed is that when people mention greed, obviously the first thing that can come into people's mind is financial greed. But I think greed goes beyond purely financial. And yeah, with that in mind, it could have a detrimental effect on you as a designer or a business if you are greedy. Um, and sometimes I think being greedy isn't necessarily, you know, although it's considered a seven deadly sin or we're we're talking about it as a sin, you might be greedy for the right intentions or what you think are the right intentions to begin with, like saying yes to everything um, because you don't like saying no or turning down work. So you might be unintentionally being greedy when you just kind of have the mentality of or a good work ethic or you know you want to just take on as much as possible and work as hard as you can and bring in the money but essentially it could cause you a lot of 
pain and anguish and you could burn out. Yeah. So there would be the negative side of that kind of like, how would I say, subconscious greed, the one that you're not really feeling like you're being greedy, but you almost are because you're saying yes to absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, I think obviously power and I think influence, um, how we like to be perceived, which kind of, it's kind of linked to pride, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. The idea of being greedy for power. Um, and that's, that's what I mean about these seven deadly sins is it's quite clever how they all, all sort of interlink with each other. Like, you know, you could be greedy for power and that greed of power comes from the fact that you might have envy or jealousy of another designer or somebody else in business. So you see how it's kind of all mixing They're together all and linked. how I've created a great link between the last two episodes that I'm going to get everybody to go back <laughs> and listen to. But if they haven't already. If they haven't already, absolutely. So, so you're just getting greedy now for... <laughs> yeah, getting greedy for power. Um, or podca- <laughs> We're getting greedy listeners. for podcast listeners, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and we kind of get greedy for so on social media with likes and, and uh, yeah. comments and we want people to kind of interact with us and we want loads of loads of followers you know we get greedy for followers and we keep doing what we can and everyone's trying to suss out the instagram algorithm i don't think anybody really knows what it is and Um, we're all sort of getting greedy for that and then obviously there's the financial greed yeah um so that's definitely something we should talk about as well so with that in mind liam what do you want to well, I was thinking so, about... Which one to tackle first? One thing I was thinking about earlier was like design agencies that pay designers a day rate and then get them to do all the work. And then they obviously get paid by the client a lot more. Um, and I know in the first episode, you said you're kind of... As long as you're getting paid what you want, Absolutely. you're kind of happy. Yeah. So then can we look at the agency and say, well, they're greedy or, or do we look at it because say someone like yourself, you're happy in that situation. So are they still being greedy? If, if all parties are kind of happy with the, with what's going on. Absolutely. It's, It's for me, the people I work with and the people I have worked with, I, um, don't have a problem with whatever they mark my prices up at um, purely because like I say, we're all, we're all in a, a relationship and we all are doing the best for each other. And we're all kind of, you know, if, if I think about say the work and the opportunities I have um, based on being more of a B2B designer, if you like working in the industry as a freelancer for other design agencies, which yeah. is pretty much the core of my business as, as a designer, um, yeah. you know, I'm kind of known in the area as the agency whore, <laughs> all the agencies that work with me, um, know that I work with other agencies and they joke about it and yeah. I don't really have a problem with what, what they are charging out. Some, some cases I don't even know, and it doesn't really bother me, um, because they are, you know, running a bigger business. And I think that's a key thing to get in your head i think greed would actually come into play when you do start to get like oh 
that person's charging more than, you know, I'm, I'm getting sold, my work's getting sold. You start having all those kind of feelings. That's kind of like envious and then feeling yeah. greedy about, oh, wish I had that. But let's take an example of why I enjoy working with other agencies. Well, other agencies are bigger and they attract bigger clients. So that opportunity for me to work on some really good names and big brands. The other thing is I'm not directly working uh, or having to manage the client. So there's yeah. an element of that being taken away from me. There's also the element of um, overheads that I don't have. So I don't know if I've mentioned that. Did I mention that? No. No, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> one thing as well, you don't have to find the work. Absolutely. You don't have they... to find the work. Yeah. Um, and you kind of continue to do good work, which represents them in a good way, and they can continue to attract bigger clients and find the work themselves because they have the team implemented themselves to do it. So it's a really good kind of system that sort of works and looks after each other. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to a degree, um, you know, agencies will profit on the work that they get freelancers to do, um, myself or any other designer. They will look to make a good profit, but we have to all be kind of, kind of, like true to ourselves you know we're in this game not purely because we want to um just create great stuff all the time we have to make money and yeah inherently we are all you know human beings are gonna be selfish they're gonna look after themselves and i think we have to respect that that we're all in a you know we live in a capitalist country and that is the nature of the beast um so yeah i don't necessarily have a problem with um people sort of marking up um my prices to a certain level i do have a problem though of getting haggled and and sort of like yeah. If, I, if I am, you know, there's been experiences in the past where somebody's tried to haggle me down and I'm like, look, you're, you know, we've gone through the process of working out how long it's going to take. We've done yeah. all this and you're now trying to, you know, diddle me over whatever yeah. amount of cash. It's like squeeze, you know, and you just feel like that's when greed starts to grate on you. If you can see yeah. somebody doing that. So it's the signs yeah, I think in terms of the going back to the agency thing, there's you know for freelancers there's a market, you know value isn't there for a day rate. So if it's you know whatever it is, that's that's how you can judge it. You know if the agency came to you and said I'll give you fifty quid a day, that's kind of being greedy. But if they're paying you the market value for your level, you know then I guess that's not greedy from their side and like you said they've got all the overheads and whatnot to deal with yeah I was thinking about before about yeah clients being greedy about what you touched on there about you know trying to get you down on price yeah um you know that promise of I think we've spoken about it before that promise of you know extra work in the future or it'll be really good exposure that's just greedy um and then I also think about clients becoming greedy of your time as well, like yeah. maybe not respecting that you do have the other clients and, you know, wanting things last minute 
always, you know, just popping up and expecting something to be done mm-hmm. ASAP. Um, that can be an issue on our side. And I think it's how you manage that, mm. you know, like, I guess, well, what are ways you can manage that is, I think it's just about setting expectations and telling people, you know, you are busy. It's, I mean, you have to word it correctly to a client because you can't just say, you know, mm. this other client is more important than you. So I'm working on that, but it's about just setting expectations and saying, you know, when can, cause you get a lot of clients that just say, you ask them, when do you want it? And they just say like, yes, as soon yes. as possible. Or yesterday. Do you not want to hate? Do you not want to punch somebody when they say that? What yesterday? Yeah, it's like that little uh, like they they think it's funny. You're like, yeah. that's no, that's not funny. And <laughs> yeah, then absolutely, it's always like, yeah, I want it as soon as possible. And then when you give them a a time that you think is possible, they say, oh, I was thinking of before that. Hmm. But yeah, I think just setting expectations is a. Yeah, I mean, you said to me the other day about making every client feel like they're the only client. Yeah. And that's, I think, the juggling act that we have as yeah. as, as, as sort of self-employed freelancers. Yeah. Um, we want to be paid the value and given the time that we deserve. Um, and we want to be valued. So I think you have to tell yourself, you know, if somebody is kind of, um, what's the, I guess you have to say to yourself, like if I am being asked to do things in double quick time and um, I am being sort of chased at certain times of the day or kind of being having relentless contacts or whatever, you have to say, what's the value to me as a designer and what the value of that, that client, um, there's clients that I have, that I don't mind contacting me morning, noon, and night, yeah. weekends, you know, uh, clients that I work with on a regular basis, they're good friends of mine, you know, and, you know, I care dearly about them in, in sort of the, the work that I do, but also, uh, the friendships that we've got. So they, they don't kind of, you know, they don't kind of, you know, bother me, but that's the respect that you give people, isn't it? Um, if, you know, if you work with somebody that's not nice to you or respects you or values you or values the work you do, you're not going to want to give the extra time and day to kind of um, help them out when they're in the need of something quite urgently, you know, you're just going to feel like it's going to be a slog and it's going to be a drag and you just don't want to do it. Yeah. So respect, isn't it? It's It's like, Sorry, it's like sorry. Uh, sorry. It's like Alex Curtis said in the lead generation episode, didn't he? He was talking about, you know, give respect. As in, he says he play he pays people, you know, like designers first. Yeah, because he knows then he can turn around and say, "Kaz, I've got this last minute job. Can you help me out?" And you know, he's going to be good for the money and absolutely whatnot. So it's kind of return the favor. So. And I've been think, working with him for 10 years plus when we're friends. And he has yeah. recently done that to me where he's gone, Kaz, I'm in a bit of a situation. I need you to turn this around quickly and help me out of this. And, yeah. I'm, and I've done it because that's what friends do. And I think yeah. that's what friends do comes up before this is a business decision that I'm making. Yeah. 
Like I've I've got a client who pays on the day I invoice him, which is amazing. Like there's no chasing at all. Um, and yeah, it's just a. a I paid way you on the day. I've, I've paid you on the day that because you, you, you can well. work for me as before well. I even sent you an invoice. Yeah, sometimes I just pay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but i mean let's touch on that um work relationship as well because i feel like you know we've got a great working relationship and and we very much run the way that we collaborate with the idea that greed doesn't exist yeah um you know i think the fact that so we have a relationship where if we both know exactly what we want from a job on a, say a daily basis in terms of a a day rate, if you like. Yeah. And we will price up work in order to ensure that we both achieve the, um, the money that we want. No one person's taking a bigger chunk in, in some cases, you know, the work that gets outsourced, if it's the majority of the works being done by myself, then I'll be paid majority of the cut whilst the other person project manages it, deals with the client and all that such, and vice versa. And and I feel like that is a great way of um, being completely transparent, but also ensuring a great working relationship personally, because yeah, you do feel like, actually, I do want to work and, and do a good job. And um, we're, we're kind of, you don't feel alone or or you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. Um, so yeah, so many people may not know that, but me and Liam actually do work together on projects. We have our own stuff as well, but we do work together on projects and we work well together um, because we have a honest and open conversation about money. <laughs> yeah. So. We've but- even got a written statement as well. We've even got a written statement, absolutely, so that when somebody goes <laughs> off on one, that we can go back and say, "Look, hey, you said this three weeks yeah. ago. I know you were, you know, three bottles of beer in, but you did say it. <laughs> <laughs> Only three bottles in. Now Liam can drink like a fish, so it's definitely seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, did actually go to the pub for the first time the other day as well, for the first time ever. Were you just a uh, little? Uh, were you drinking a lot? Was he greedy? Were you being greedy? For the beer, I was greedy for the beer because because it just tasted so nice coming out the draft, you know. But it was exp- they were greedy, right? Oh. You're in Peterborough, yeah. I was in London, six pound sixty for a pint. Wow, you believe that? You get that's for half price. I can get you a pint and a black eye in Peterborough. There you go. So yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm not dissing Peterborough, by the way. It's just a, <laughs> Just a joke, just a local joke, just to kind of throw into the mix, try and get the listeners laughing. <laughs> um, what was it called in the something lounge? What's it called? The Argo Lounge. In the Argo Lounge, yeah. Nah, nothing goes down in the Argo Lounge, mate. It's all That's safe. The, uh, the posh. <clears throat> That's where I'm hanging out. It's the posh place. <laughs> so you touched on before, which was something I was going to bring up as well, was um, social media, mm. followers and likes. Yeah, I think everyone wants more followers, don't they? Mm. And where does it get you at the end of the day? Like, it's that endorphin rush, isn't it? Oh, of yeah. Seeing 
seeing that red notification heart like or a follow or you know it's like there is that little i mean that's the way it's designed and mechanic to to do that to you uh what's your thoughts on i yeah i mean it's an absolute well (laughs) it's a nightmare isn't it really um the way that we're tuned in to want to achieve that kind of instant gratification that point of saying i'm worthy and i want more i want more i want more and you know releasing that kind of that serotonin when you see a like or a follower is is addictive and yeah. you do get greedy for it you do get hungry for it and you want it you want more and more and more and the interesting thing is is if i had say i've got sort of like 580 followers on my if i had that on my personal like my personal page i would be like this is pretty odd i don't even know this many people <laughs> yeah and yet on my other pages, like on my other sorry pages, it's really old school way of saying it, isn't it? On my other profiles, <laughs> I would be saying like, you know, the guitar one, I'd be like, oh, that'd be amazing. I can get 500 followers or it's yeah. great. I've got 500 followers on my design account. And then I'll look at say, you know, other people's accounts and go, Jesus, they've got like the last time I checked, they had a thousand and they've got fat 5,000. What the hell, what have they been up to? How have they done that? And you kind of, and, and I think as well, it's, it's because we 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 have a it's because it releases obviously the the the, the serotonin makes you feel good but it's also the fact that you don't know why somebody's liked your post and you don't know why somebody's following you but you probably make up a story in your mind that oh that's awesome that person must have looked at my work and liked it enough to follow me yeah it might not be the case that might just be a strategic thing that yeah. they've done in order to lots of people you. do follow for follow don't they yeah and then and then uh, then they do uh, then they unfollow you <laughs> absolutely so you kind of like oh great but um you know i think as well designers because we're doing something that is creative and you know i speak for myself i don't speak for everyone but you feel like you're putting a lot of your heart and soul into a job and you you like what you've produced and you show it off to the world. That's almost more important than the financial, the invoice at the end of it. I don't know why that is because, you know, you need money to keep going. It's like what Simon Sinek said, it's the fuel for the business to keep moving and to get to to where it needs to be. Um, But you do find yourself feeling a, a kind of value that's just beyond financial yeah i think you see people with like i read somewhere that was like imagine if say you've got 500 and something followers like yourself imagine if those people were in front of you you were like in an auditorium and there was 580 odd people to see kaz you'd be blown away yeah and it's and it's and yeah, there's designers out there like look at, you know, there's what is it? Logo Inspirations, which is obviously different because it's not just a personal account, but like 1.2 million followers. Um, so if you compare the two, it's like, you know, but if you had 580 odd people in front of you, yeah, you would be well overwhelmed. Well happy. Yeah. And you'd be overwhelmed and happy and 
you'd have so much in, in and ask my nan look why have you invited all of my cousins to this uh <laughs> to this little shindig that you've got going on <laughs> and uh no it's uh it, it's it would be overwhelming and it would be great um and scary yeah that that many people are interested in you know oh so so I say interested, how many people are actually interested in you in that follower community? Yeah. You know, Um, because it is quite easy to scroll, see something, look at it for like a split second, hit like, and then keep scrolling. mm. You know, where you're not actually paying full attention. It's just, oh, that looks cool. And then you move on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even like people with big following, you often, when they're given advice, you hear them say, like, don't focus on the numbers focus on Mm -hmm. the community and try and build a community and you know what is the real impact of having loads of followers i've even heard of other people you know say it's kind of pointless they built themselves up to Mm. you know tens of thousands and then they just feel like well i'm just they just get depressed because what's changed really no they're still you know, maybe in the same position they are with their business, they're probably not profiting those 10,000. The effort that's gone into granite trying to get that amount of followers hasn't really paid off financially, maybe cost money. Um, so, you know, and there's companies out there that buy followers, which is, you know, scandalous. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to kind of see past those numbers and realize that they don't, they don't, um, mean anything really so the greed and the hunger for it is kind of a wasted energy to be fair so feeling greedy and wanting more in that sense yeah don't do it (laughs) um don't the financial greed you know if we think about financial greed you know people would say that's wanting more money or charging more and i don't think that's what greed is really to be fair because i think there is a benefit of charging and putting your prices up and each job is very different. You know, we have different influencers telling us how we should price jobs. You know, we've got value-based pricing. We've got pricing by the hour, day rates, this, that, and the other. And, and I think no two jobs are the same to be fair. So the idea of charging more, I don't consider greedy and I don't think it's bad that if you did a job for 250, that the same similar job that comes up, if you decide to charge that at 500, that's not greed. That is just, that's just, uh, you know, kind of relevant to the time or the market or the comp or the client, because there are benefits to charging more in order to secure the job. If you were going in too cheaply, that could bring red flags to the client. The client yeah. might not, you know, take you on for that reason. So strategically you think okay i'm going to go in high because this is a bigger client and i want to appear on par with the rest of the the market that might be working with this client this type of client so i think that's important to think that i wouldn't i wouldn't say that someone's greedy because they do that would you no if someone's willing to pay for it as well but you have to, you know, you have to get to a point in your career, you know, we all do, we've all done like free work, you know, when we were starting out, we've all done cheap work as well. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think it's greedy to to charge what you think something is worth. Mm. Um, but obviously there has to be a customer for that. So if your pricing is too high, then you're never going to get any work, are you? So I guess it's like going back to before saying about knowing like the market value, knowing what your worth is against, you know, say like me, I get a lot of work through or inquiries as well through my website so and they're all local people so i'm kind of my competition there is local designers yeah so i have to compete with that so if i'm going to be more what value am i going to bring and i have to show that to the client or if i'm like you say if i'm too cheap maybe you know but i think those clients that are shopping around for just the cheapest option you don't want those clients anyway. No. So. And also as well, if you took, if you, you know, you mentioned about charging what you feel it's worth is if you had a logo design, for example, and it came to you in five minutes, you're not going to charge five minutes worth of time. You're going to charge what it's still worth. If you've quoted a thousand pounds, you're going to quote, you're going to charge a thousand pounds because yeah. it's not five minutes. It's how many years of experience yeah. to get to the way of processing something in your mind in order to uh, create something in five minutes. And and I think we have to think of those as like perks of the job that sometimes we will have this like... Um, eureka moment. Eureka moment, yeah. And you're like, great, you know, that's the design gods looking down at me going, hey, look, you deserve this eureka moment. You've worked hard for it the last, you know, you haven't had one for a while. Here you go, we're going to give you one. Yeah. So, it's like the Paul Asher thing with the um, Citibank. You heard that story? No, go for it. She Tell apparently me. did it. She apparently drew it on a napkin, either during the meeting or just just after. And kind of that was it. It was there was the concept done. But like mm. you said, it's you know it's taken her her whole career. Yeah, and maybe a eureka moment to um, to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely no, I don't consider asking for money, charging more, having some projects and some clients on different kind of, you know, price bands. I don't see that as greed. What I think is kind of um, greedy when it comes to money maybe is by you not paying what somebody's worth if you're outsourcing and you're trying to squeeze if you become like what we just spoke about that kind of agency that might haggle the price down and have a bit of a dishonest non-transparent yeah. view to yeah to pricing but or, or, or how they treat their suppliers um but uh i mean you could you could consider say greed coming into play with not necessarily what you quote or what you charge, but how you perform. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is you quote a certain process and you've charged it out higher, or you've quoted to say, produce a website and you say it's bespoke, but you've then gone on and downloaded a theme and smashed it together in no time at all. Yeah. I consider that greedy and dishonest. Yeah. 
So there's ways that you can do an injustice to a project in order to kind of squeeze it and make as much money as possible. That's where I think would be greedy. Yeah, um, definitely. And you'd be caught out, you know, you, eventually you'll get caught out. Yeah. Um, I think like if it's a website and you're using templates, then, you know, kind of be transparent with that mm. and say, we may use templates to speed up the process. You know, if their budget's not there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. You know, be, be kind of, because the, the pro to that is you'll get more work from that client. You might not make the money that you think you want for that particular job, but in due course, you could build a great relationship with them. They could become your number one client because they trust you so much that they won't kind of look anywhere else. But if they've got a kind of whiff that you might be trying to cut corners or you're producing something that looks rushed and it's a bit shoddy and you've not given it the due care and attention that it needs. Yeah. They may pay you for that one job, but never use you again. Yeah. So your greed has lost you a client. Yeah. Or an opportunity, should I say? Um, mm -hmm. I want to just touch on the idea of the word lost as well. Kind of a little bit of off on a tangent, but I wanted to just sort of talk about language and how we speak to ourselves when we when we think about lost and losing something. Because I've often put quotes out and they've either gone to, uh, you know, they've gone to uh, me against, say, other designers and it's come back that the quote wasn't accepted or they've gone mm -hmm. with another designer. And I used to just go in, see my wife and say, I lost that job. I lost that opportunity. I never had it, so I couldn't have lost it. And I think that's important that's to true. sort of put out there. I used to go, oh, I lost three grand. But well, I you didn't never, have it. But I didn't have it. So I think that's something to catch ourselves because we, I think that fuels greed as well. Yeah. Um, this idea of losing something that was never there to begin with. So we actually then become quite greedy in and look for ways to make up for that lost project or that lost ground. And it's all hypothetical. It's all our imagination. It's not true. Um, so what would be another way of rephrasing that idea of lost? I definitely, it is, it's a lost opportunity. Mm. But like you say, it's, you haven't lost the money that was never there. Um, but is and it... I guess the other one is I didn't win, but that's the same thing. So what would it be? I Just... missed I missed the opportunity. I think missed is even it's it's so harsh, isn't it? Because lost Sounds like missed, a... it's like They're all it's negative. all on you. It's all on you, but actually yeah. maybe it's not the case. They went with someone else. Um it wasn't the right opportunity, maybe another way of rephrasing it. Because that Yeah, but that just sounds like an excuse though, like I wasn't the right fit or it was, you know, it wasn't the right thing for me or for them or so is that, mm. you know, 
I guess the other, it depends how much you want the job as well, doesn't it? Like, if you really, 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 really want it, then you're going to be disappointed. Mm. Um, but I don't really know a way to phrase it that can spin it to a positive, like thinking on my feet. No, I can't. I would have said it wasn't the right opportunity of me it was more positive, but I appreciate where you're coming from in regards to saying it's kind of a bit of a, uh, an excuse maybe. It, it's maybe not an excuse, but it just sounds like a, I don't care, but I really do deep down. It's just like, yeah. oh, it wasn't for me. Like, um, But either way, I think we can both agree that that terminology, that loss to that kind of, feeling that you the feeling of the word loss that is implying you had something physical and tangible there in the first place and now it's gone it's yeah. like that not the case yeah um, thing is as well clients want you know they're gonna shop around but like we said before you want to make the client feel like they're the only client those people that are shopping around want the designer to feel like the only designer mm you know, so they kind of give you, you know, it all in the proposal or whatever that they feel like you're going to get the job. And then, because yeah. sometimes it definitely feels like you're going to get it, you know, the way that, the way you're interacting with them or they're interacting with you. And then they say, no, sorry, wait with someone else. Mm. It's like, oh, but I, again, some of that is, you know, I've had, you know, proposals come back and they've said, well, the people that are building the website are going to do my logo for free. Just throw it in. Yeah, I've had I've, I've had situations similar to that as well. And then you just think, well, you know, how do you how do you react to that? It's just, well, OK, fine. <laughs> like, let's see what they come up with. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then sometimes they might shock you, and he goes, "That's actually pretty good." Yeah, that's actually better than <laughs> anything I could ever do. <laughs> and they did it for free. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but a, a lot of that is, you know, that's you know, it's all down to budget, and there's loads of different factors, isn't there? That subjective. Why you might, yeah, why you might lose a job. It's not. Hmm. I think, like Alex Curtis again, bring him up said you know it's not just about how good you are or yeah there's so many little things that you know probably you might not even think of that that the potential client might be thinking of hmm. um yeah i agree so if greed is a seven deadly sin yeah and we've spoken about some of the products of greed, like greed for power, greed for followers, greed for money, then I suppose the, the thing that we should be discussing next is, is design. Is design? Yeah, Go I've got it. a, I've got a good. Sorry, I feel like I've just jumped in on your. No, because that just gives but... us another thing to discuss after we discuss design. Okay. Go for right. it. Keep keep yours, unless you want to go for yours. I'm going first, to write it down. Write it down. My 
my thing was I was thinking about how how you relate greed to design. So there's obviously the business financial side, then there's the the clients. Yeah, that's under business, I guess. And then you've got social media, all that jazz. Then I was thinking, yeah, what what about des- how can I relate this to design and the phrase by Ludwig Mies van der Rohe came into my head. He's a who's that guy? Can you say he's a German-born American architect, Ludwig Mies van der Rohe. Awesome. So he, well, he said less is more, mm-hmm. and apparently he wasn't actually the guy that came up with that quote originally. Apparently, it was like someone he worked with. Um, called Peter Berens, who's also a German architect. But yeah, so I was just thinking, you know, the idea of less is more, you kind of strip everything back. Yeah. And you often get clients, you know, they want everything on a page. They want no white space. They want the logo should have, you know, everything that they do. But I think for me, definitely logo design is one of the things where less is more. Yeah. You know, kind of strip it right back. Just leave the elements that are needed, have a concept and kind of be appropriate. But yeah, definitely less is more for logo design. But then I do think for other types of design, say posters, magazines, more can be more. Hmm. You know, like I just talked about white space, but then look at Paula Scher's kind of work for the public. Some of those posters are just crammed full of typography and image, but they look amazing. Yeah. So detail. Yeah. Hmm. I I agree that less is more, but there are, you know, instances where something needs to be communicated. So look at your OCD design you did to raise mm-hmm. awareness for OCD. That definitely wasn't less, but no but it it got the message across. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's about what you're trying to communicate. But I just thought that was a good point to bring up because that, that phrase, less is more, I'm sure a lot of designers do resonate with Absolutely. And I, and I would say that with kind of greed and the content that you put into a design piece, that might be how you're taking your influences and your inspiration and getting greedy about the inspiration that you create or take and bring it too much into the page. Um, or it could be greedy that you're trying to communicate too many things to one you know to too many different people and you've just got so kind of greedy with it and created a mess yeah (laughs) something that is not relevant or doesn't resonate or doesn't communicate anything so definitely feel like there's a kind of a a greed aspect to that and and i suppose in the cases of more is more it's about the devils in the detail or it might be about kind of the way you use techniques to convey a message. So you're not actually thinking, I think 
it's not so much what you put on the page or how that is being put on the page, but it's more about what that means. Because if that means a multitude of things and there are kind of different messages and, and images that you want to convey and it's darting all over the place, then that could create a very greedy design piece. Yeah. But if it's very detailed and has a lot going on, but it's based around a very clear and concise, simple message, then that could be a work of art. Yeah. So I think it's the rationale of the reason why it's there and what it means to the design that would determine whether it's a busy, greedy piece or one that's very cleverly implemented. So for yeah. example, the OCD piece that I did, it was fundamentally, so I've not really touched on it. It's kind of a bit off topic, but you know, I do struggle with OCD. And the reason that I decided to create that piece of work was at a time when I had a episode going on and I was in full anxiety mode. It was raging. It was hard. It was horrible so much energy going on and I wanted to convey how my brain was feeling at the time. And particularly with the yellow design that I did, I did that in the moment that was done. I decided, I don't know what it was in me. I was, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotions that you feel when you're having a panic attack or you're feeling really anxious. You, you go through the emotions, you're sweating, you're, you're hot, you're shaking, and you kind of just want to either lie down and, curl up in a ball or stay away from and don't listen to anybody. But I don't know what it was, but there was something in me that said, look, go and channel this. And I've heard yeah. people talk about channeling before. And I just thought, okay, here's an opportunity to really get across how my brain is thinking at this point and the torture that it was going through. So I decided to kind of go to the studio, open up Illustrator, and I just... I just went kind of free with it. I didn't care. There was no brief. I wasn't really looking to please anybody. I just wanted to create something that represented how I was feeling. So the amount of stuff that was happening in that design, there was so much going on, but the it was based around the arch, the the very simple message of conveying in the moment and I thought it would be a good reminder to myself that when I came out of feeling that level of anxiety, that I would then kind of look back and go, this is this is what it is. This is what sometimes it is for people that have OCD. This is what it is for, for people that have anxiety or generalized anxiety disorders, that this is how it kind of feels. Um, and it got, you know, it got a good response. I had a few people. David like, Carson. David Carson, yeah. Can't complain yeah. at that, can you? No, I was pretty chuffed with that. Seeing as so, regular listeners, listeners will know, or people that know me, he is um, probably my favourite designer, um, yeah, most influential designer for me. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And was like, and I did that scream again, Liam. I did that. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, oh my god! <laughs> and ran around the room like a. <laughs> five-year-old that's just been given a new toy so I guess looking back as well like because you've got that visual representation now when you're kind of you know feeling okay mm -hmm. 
or next time you're not feeling okay, you can, you know, look back at that. And I think that's a good yeah. thing. And also I think from what I saw, you told me you had like, you know, people from, was it an OCD charity or something? Well, no, I had some people that, um, there was a couple of people I think on Instagram that started to follow me that were either one struggling with OCD or, uh, there was a guy that was a counselor. He, he, uh, he was reshared and shared and another, yeah. another lady that I met, he was quite popular and influential on in that sort of, you know, kind of world um, sort of shared and commented and somebody offered to pay for it as a print, which was, have cool. you done that? Um, I did get back to her. I need to arrange and stuff. I'm not really sure what I have never really sold anything like that or done anything, but my plan is that, anything that I do sell percentage will go to sort of like an OCD action or OCD UK charity, um, which would be an opportunity. But there was another piece that I designed the red one after, I don't know if you remember that piece. Yeah. And that was very much an afterthought. So obviously I've got the yellow one that I've designed in the moment. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to then start this theme of designing pieces around OCD or mental health or how you are feeling. And that one was very much, and you can tell that, as much as I do like that design personally, I mean, it's not for everyone, let's be honest. Um, some people might look at it and think, gosh, that's terrible. But for me, I, I wanted to, you can kind of tell the red one, it has somebody designing it that is not in deep anxiety mode, you know? There's yeah. a structure to it and a way that it's been, it does resemble, I think, the issues and the, the way you feel and the way I feel but yeah. more in a reflective way, not so much in the moment kind of way. Yeah, um, it's like so, more symmetrical, isn't it? More like aligned. Absolutely. So I think that does come across, and that's the beauty of, say, being a graphic designer. It's very commercial. You know, we're communicating to sell. We're communicating to kind of benefit our clients and boost their businesses. And here's a an opportunity that kind of presented itself in a negative situation where I could just say, I don't know, you know, screw it. I don't care if people like this or not. I'm not bothered. This is about me being a little bit of an artist now. Um, yeah. Using what I like to design something that's for me. Um, and in, and if in turn kind of brings awareness to a subject, then awesome. That's great as well. But the two pieces side by side, you know, I think it would be clear to, to anyone if I said, you know, what was the one that was designed in the, in the moment and what one was done in designed in the kind of the reflective period. And I think the red one is more symmetrical and all that sort of stuff. Um, kind of diverted off the idea of greed, but I think it's an important point. And, you know, that's what I love about our conversations, to be honest, yeah. you know, we could title this episode up as greed, but I think the people that listen to it are almost getting a kind of a, a two for one. <laughs> yeah. It, def- it definitely ties to the, yeah, greed less is more thing. So hmm. I'm interested in the the process. So you said it was more like an art piece. Hmm. Like to get to the final kind of outcome and say, right, it's done, it's finished. As an art piece, did it feel easier to yeah. to kind of say that? Like, yeah, I'm happy it's done. Yeah. Because you probably felt like you won't be you wouldn't be judged as much because it's a personal art piece. Mm, essentially yeah i mean everything about it really the it was easier to let go it was easier to accept that 
it might not achieve many likes on say Instagram or whatever. It was easier to get to the point of it being finished. I think you often get this. I mean, sometimes I, I kind of get this when I'm sort of jamming on the guitar as well. And I think other musicians would know that you could be improvising with another person. And, you know, for me, for me, the, the person that I play guitar, you know, um, my best friend, Wayne, I can play guitar with him and we can get in a room after not playing for a long time and we can just play and we have this connection. We're on this certain level and this vibe, you know, and we just know that we could be coming up to the end of the improvisation and we'll be just like, it would just come to an end, but it would come to an end beautifully. You know, we'd be, yeah. be able to create an ending just from that moment. It'd just be spontaneous. It's the same when you're sort of creating that, when I was creating that art, that piece of art that was representative of that, that moment was like, I was like, yeah, I'm, it wasn't really so much of it's finished. I think it was more of a case of I finished. Yeah. I've finished getting out <clears throat> what I wanted, yeah. channeling what I want to get out onto that page and it's done because that's what it feels like. And it was like that. Um, and no, I can't, I didn't, you know, I didn't go back and tweak or anything. It was very much done and dusted. It was like, yeah, it was chaos. I wanted to re represent chaos. I wanted to represent, yeah. I wanted to represent chaos in me and my influences were Carson and me as a designer and typography and illustrator. And I loved the multiplier. So there was so much going into that design that it was just easy to say, yeah, I'm done because I'm channeled. I think now, now can I show you Mr. Person that doesn't quite get it? This is what the inside of my mind can sometimes look like. Yeah. So, but it was easier on all levels, you know, it was easy to detach yourself from giving a shit really. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be, it would be perfect if you could get into that mindset with client work as well. Not, I don't mean not like a, you know, oh, I've done, here you go, you know, but I think if you could get, because I was just thinking then, does someone, you know, like David Carson, some people say he's more of an artist. Some people say, no, he's a designer. I don't know. Maybe he should be the one to judge that. But do you think maybe that's part of his process as well? Is like, well, I did. Because watch, it's very much his style. I haven't watched the masterclass episode yet you know we spoke about it before recording this podcast didn't we and i was really excited yeah. about that class and i yeah i think yeah 100 i'm gonna gonna have to check it out but i watched the um the preview the trailer the trailer if you like the trailer yeah. that was a weird one <laughs> the trailer <laughs> um the trailer of the course and i can't remember it word for word but he said you know we don't want snap to guides. We want your mind, not your software. He said that. Yeah. And I think he also said something along the lines of, you don't want people liking your work all the time. You want it to people to not like it. And then you might, then you might realize that you're onto something. You're playing it too safe. If everyone likes your work. Yeah. I think that's what so, he says. Something along those lines. And yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, the, the, the beauty of that is you're very much liberated, aren't you? You're free. Um, 
we often think that designers need restrictions in order to produce. And, you know, we hate the idea of a client going, do what you want, go nuts. <laughs> you know, you, you're the designer, you do it. You just, I don't know, I have no ideas. I haven't got a brief for you. Just go crazy. You know, I want this. Um, and that would be a nightmare because there's endless possibilities. But when you're designing as, I suppose, when David Carson is designing as David Carson, his limitations or his, like not limitations, but the world of his style is always around him. And he would yeah. be pulling from David Carson's style and creating more David Carson's, which is just incredible. He's there on my wall. Look. Yeah, I can see. Poster. Given gifted to me by my uh, good friend, Lasma. Shout out to Lasma Design. Yeah. Love so... that poster. Whenever anyone sees it, they say, like that's whether they're a designer or not, they just say that's amazing. Love it. So I think that's the appeal of his work as well is it can uh, communicate mm. to many people, not just designers. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I and I do kind of feel that when you are an artist, you have an identity that you can then put your identity into your work. Yeah. Probably a lot easier than you can as a commercial designer. Definitely. I think you can have a style, but it does take a while to get to a position where you're going to be remembered for that style. And, you know, especially in a career situation, working with agencies, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's a lot of people asking of you to be kind of a jack of all trades, aren't there? Isn't there? If you're working in an agency, you're going to be wanting to create something in one particular style, then in the next particular style. And you're going from this and you're going from that. Blah, blah, blah. And you could put your work on the table and it might not actually look, each piece might not be easily identifiable as your work just because you've created it to meet the brief yeah. Yeah. in certain ways. So I'm really enjoying this conversation today. I'm hoping that the listeners Same. are going to love it. Um, what was the, what was the um, I'm interested to know you you wrote down something that you were going to bring up before before I jumped in and yeah absolutely now I can't read my own writing no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was going to say that we kind of spoke about where the product of greed i.e. the the cash and maybe um, you know um, the greed of followers likes and all that stuff that maybe it would be good to talk about what could lead somebody into that realm of thinking. So the awareness aspect of it, what fuels that? Mm -hmm. And it would be kind of things like desperation, not being busy, fear. Um, what else? Again, jealousy and pride. Mm -hmm. Those would be the fuel factors. Um, Fear of missing out would be another fuel factor. And I guess they could be the fuel factor for a lot of things, not just greed. So maybe it's a 
good thing to try and catch yourself in those moments. And I was going to say that the one thing that can cut through all of it is self-compassion. Because if you practice self-compassion, you can pretty much forget those seven deadly sins, can't you? It kind of cuts through all of it to a degree. Because if you practice self-compassion and you say, okay, I'm really jealous of this guy or his work and like, but actually and you're compassionate and you go, Oh, I'm, I'm on my journey. This is my journey. I'm different to him. He's got oh, something. And you talk to yourself in a language that is a lot more kinder, or if it's pride, you know, you could be talking to yourself in a, in a language that's a lot more kinder. And if it's greed, it might be, yeah, you know, this is, um, probably, uh, a good opportunity to kind of build a relationship. I don't want to go in too high or whatever. And you'd be, kinder to the to the the reasoning of why you did stuff then you're not a slave to the 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 thinking that is more fear or um desperation you're reacting impulsively to what you might consider negative moments of your career that makes sense by the way because i felt like i was kind of a little bit rambly yeah it makes sense and it goes it's like that um you know you were saying about i lost a job Mm -hmm. even though you didn't have the job it's a you know like you say that's quite a negative thing so having the self-compassion to say well it doesn't mean i'm a bad designer there's probably like i said before there's probably loads of different factors why i didn't get chosen for the job but there'll be other jobs out mm-hmm. there for me fingers crossed uh, yeah <laughs> absolutely so it's so true and i think um we just have to as designers as friends in a community continue to kind of help each other yeah. um i heard someone talking today about seeing other designers and and people in the industry not as competition but just different people on different journeys and the the world of graphic design is big enough to fit all of us and we all have a piece of it sort of thing so i think that's important to remember that you all have a part to play in the engine we're all a cog in this engine Um, yeah i think the point you made as well is no one you made it in another episode no one starts a design job thinking i'm going to produce the worst piece of design i can (laughs) do unless that's the brief so it's about being compassionate to yourself and to others isn't it that you know that everyone's just trying their best yeah so and we're all at different journeys. So yeah, just be kind to yourself and other people. Yeah. And I think that's probably the best place to wrap our conversation, isn't it? Sounds like it. Yeah. But before we go, I wanted to, this is not an advert by the way, um, but shout out to our good friend, Dirk, Dirk Peter Van Walsam. Mm. who is hey, Dirk. the shout out 
who shout out to Kurt Dirk, but he is owner of award-winning or a partner of award-winning design agency in Amsterdam called DPID. They do really awesome work, so go and check them out. It's uh, dpid.nl is both website and Instagram. But Dirk has created a product which is called Tagtika, um, and he was really kind and sent me a pack of the cards and, um, yeah, took me through them on Zoom. I think he's he's been through them with you as well, hasn't he? Yes, he has, yeah. Yeah, so Tagtika is a strategy tool to get clarity about purpose and meaning in a playful way. So there's like, I've got the cards here. They're like these really bright, nice yellow, green and blue sets of cards and they've all got icons on them that relate to different things. So on the website, it says the Tagtika deck consists of 51 commonly used terms divided into three groups, helicopter view, personal and business. The clear icons allow you to quickly select what you challenge is most important. I don't think he's actually selling these like openly, but you can definitely get in touch with him. Yeah. And um, maybe what we should do is do like a little story on Instagram or something that we can just tag him in. Or even better, get him on for an interview. Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to get him on. Mm, that'd be um, awesome. Because, yeah, I'd love to talk about his business, the agency. I love Amsterdam. I love like the Dutch style and yeah, absolutely whatnot. It's so I so think good. I think um, it'd be good to get him on. So shout out to Dirk Tagtika. It's tagtika.com if you want to go and check them out. And I'm sure Dirk would be happy for like people to reach out to him on socials and whatnot. Oh, they do actually have a. They do actually have an Instagram as well, which is Tagtika. So shout out to go give them a follow. Um, so yeah, awesome. Greed, greed. So I guess we could wrap up greed then. How should we wrap it? Maybe you could do a little freestyle rap. I'm not doing that. I did the scream. I'm not doing that because I'm because uh, yeah because you can't rap. <laughs> No, you can rap. I've heard you rap. You do it. I can't. I can't very rap. Well. But what? Very well when I'm like singing along to Snoop or something. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> On a Skype call. <laughs> I guess it's that. Um, it's that thing about being compassionate to yourself and to others. Yeah. So be aware that greed is a thing. Sometimes it can be a benefit. Sometimes it can be detrimental. But this isn't even about design, but I just I think in life you should just be a nice, kind person. That's what you should try and be. Yeah, absolutely. Two thumbs up for that one. So thanks for listening, guys. Hope you've enjoyed that conversation. It was it went a lot deeper than I thought. And I was thinking, Greed, this conversation's only gonna go on for like half an hour, but we've been really greedy and taken up like an hour <laughs> of your time. So thank you for listening. Can I just say that regular listeners of the show, you've got to kind of like, with you've got to be with me on this one, that 
Isn't Liam getting a little bit cheeky every episode? He's kind of thrown in these like little <laughs> these little golden nuggets, haven't you? I think you did it last week, then okay. last time on uh, Natasha's episode as well, where you what at the end I did a little pun. Yeah, you did a little cheeky pun at the end. Yeah, so someone told looking... me I should do stand up. I think you should, but I, I, it's more comfortable sitting down there, isn't it? So, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, oh dear. Um, right. I think that is definitely the end. Cut. Yeah, you killed it. You d- killed it. Delete. Edit. <laughs>